Hi Brickies, I'm Dominic, the last one standing with a kink for cannibalism. And I'm Kate, the resident phobia expert who also hears voices. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about stuff that scares us. Ripping a few laughs and survival tips along the way. As always, please subscribe, rate and review us. And don't forget to follow us on the socials at Shit and Bricks Podcast. Like the morning after a night on the curries and cans, here it comes. So drop your ducks, pop a squat and let's get into it. Uno, uno, due, tre. Uno, due, tre. Quattro, cinco, Sette. Otto. Ocho. Nueve. No, no, nine. Ten. Deuce. <laughs> Which is the perfect introduction to Shit in Bricks. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, 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 welcome. Hi, Kate. Hi, Dom. I missed you. I missed you. Don't even start with that. I missed you. <laughs> Look, I'm smiling so much it hurts already and we haven't even started. <laughs> I love that. How have you been? I've been well. I was at a school event last night and I got home at 10 past nine. Oh, that's late for a school night. I know. I know. So, and I would say nine in Italian, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> we get the picture. Yeah. How are you going? How was your trip away? I feel like I've been gone for months and months. I feel like you have. Yeah. It was a very jam-packed, non-stop, did as much as possible, which is the perfect kind of Dominic perfect. trip. That's what you want to do. Yeah. So much to share. So, so much to share. I'm so excited to hear about it. But instead of me, you know, wasting everyone's time by rehashing my gorgeous, beautiful holiday, I thought, Kate, Mm -hmm. I would do something a little bit different. Okay. So for the next two Dominic stories, I'm going to do a story from each of the locations that I visited. I love it. Right? Yes, that's fantastic. Bring you all along. Yeah, I stole the pod for three weeks, so it's just, you know, it's your turn. You can have the mic. <laughs> no, I like love to share. Your three-parter, by the way, massive congratulations. That has been amazing. And we have smashed our personable, personable, personable best. Personable best. <laughs> Well, we are usually our personable best when we're on this pod, so I'll take it. Alrighty, but before I get into the first of my, you know, travel stories, we yeah. should do some housekeeping. Do I need to be closer to the microphone? No, I think you're no, pretty good. Okay. Can you hear me? Listening, and I sound like garbage. No. <laughs> You're beautiful. (laughs) I mean, the closer the better. Yeah, exactly. Well, housekeeping. Let's get through the usuals. Um, Check out Kate and I on all of our social media channels, TikTok, Instagram are our faves. We're very funny. We are very funny. Um, Shitten.bricks.podcast. You can find us anywhere. Just type it in and Google it. Find us anywhere and everywhere. Yeah. And while you're at it. 
Yes. You should totally check out our Patreon account because even though we've been a little quiet there at the moment, you still get early access to things. You do. And we are, with full intention, going to be sharing all more bonus episodes and And merch. Dom, I've been brainstorming with Chelsea because she is one of our primo Patreon subscribers. She is. And so I was brainstorming about what does she want to hear more of? Like what does she want to see? So I've got lots of ideas um, that are all coming in. But for those of you who aren't on our socials, you should be because I'm going to share with Dom a visual cue. I changed my wallpaper on my phone today, Dominic. (laughs) 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 Oh, he's so handsome. Isn't that a great shot? So today at work, um, for those of you who are listening and not visualizing on our socials, which you should. Yeah, get on it. I'll tell you what it is anyway. Yeah. Uh, It is my wallpaper I changed to 1980s Michael Douglas. And today in the office, I was talking to the staff. I distracted every single person in my staff room. And I was like, guys, everybody, put down what you're doing. Stop what you're marking. Stop talking about work-related things because I have a very important question. (laughs) Which picture of 1980s Michael Douglas specifically should I put as my wallpaper? Should it be... This delightful one where he's like touching his chest and it's like all very, it's very bright. Very George Michael. Very George Michael with the hair. Um, or the one I went for, which is like the pensive hand on the mouth um, type look. Um, and then um, there was a dead pigeon in our, <laughs> in our schoolyard. So I took a picture of it. And, that should be shared uh, yeah. on our socials. <laughs> I want to send it to you. I'll send you, do you know what? We'll do a vote on our uh, social media. So you tell me what wallpaper I should have of 1980s Michael Douglas and then you can have a peep at our pigeon. Uh, <laughs> so it's really all happening. Yeah, Kate's going to get this up on our socials so you can I will. get involved. <laughs> 100%. You know what? I'm going to do it bloody right now. Yeah. I'll do it during your story. Do it during the story and everyone won't know this because it'll go live before the actual episode is <laughs> yeah. recorded. So, Well, then that's fine. I'm happy to do that because yeah. maybe we'll get some votes during this <laughs> and then next episode I'll tell you what, uh, what, what we ended up choosing. That's a great idea. I can't wait. So, yeah, Kate's obviously cooking up some great ideas for our Patreon. So it's only, it's you know, such a small amount of money, but it goes a really long way. It helps Kate and I pay for all this amazingness. So get on that. Almost done, even though we're a minute and 16 seconds over, but don't stress. That was my fault. No, it's all good. It's better. I love it. Um, We also are part of uh, a group of other amazing podcasts called the Boopod Network, and usually we would feature one of their trailers, and we've done that like a few times already. So in the meantime, just go check out Boopod Network. It's all on our socials. There's like 13 other podcasts out there that are fantastic from all over the world. So if you like us, you're going to love them. So go Absolutely. check them out. Yeah, please do. And last but not least, if you can just finish this episode, don't go anywhere. Keep listening because I haven't even got to the good stuff yet. Ooh. But... This year is our year of ratings and reviews and things of that nature. So after you listen to us and you have the five-star experience and you're sitting on your toot or you're going for your walk, just go give us a quick little five-star review. We'd be so grateful. Yes, please. We'd love that. Yeah. We're here for it. Thank you. And 
As always, if you've got any complaints or you just want to have a chat with us, jump on our socials or email us at shitten.bricks.podcast at gmail.com. And that is the end of House Housekeeping. Oh, that was nice. All right, Kate. Yes, Dominic. Are you ready for the first of two totally separate stories? So don't worry, folks, this isn't like two-parter stories. This is two separate stories, but all inspired by my most recent trip. I love it. I'm here for it. I'm excited. I want you to um, tell me stories. Okay. So let me kick it off with a bit of context. So recently I just got back from a trip where I spent six days, five nights in the Philippines, specifically the beautiful island of Boracay, which is, you know, it's the most beautiful island. It's the hot spot. Everyone wants to go to Boracay if you want to, you know, beach sad experience. I love that. Yeah, really, really lovely. By the way, beautiful people, beautiful landscape, just beautiful. Everything is beautiful. They're so sweet. And I'm going to give you some more information about the Philippines in a second. But the reason I was there is because two of my bestest duties, Eves and Jordan, were celebrating multiple things. Eves was turning 40, the big 4-0. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe that's the age bracket I'm in right now. But, ugh. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it. I still look 20. Um, And while they were in Boracay, there was about 50 of us coming over for this trip, so quite a lot. Eves was doing the sneaky and he proposed to his partner, Jordan. No! Two nights beforehand. Yeah. So so cool. How cute is that? And he'd been planning this for months and months and months and as a recently engaged person. I did lend a little bit of a helping hand or some creative feedback on the ring design, but yeah. So congratulations to Eves and Jordan on your recent engagement. Congratulations, Eves and Jordan. And happy 40th, Eves. Well, so that was the reason I was in the Philippines. Okay. But you all know me well enough by now that I love to find local stories of the places I visit. Yes, And today's episode, which by the way, you already know because you clicked on this thing, but it is called The Chop Chop Lady. Ooh. What do you think, Kate? Just first impressions. What do you think this story is about? (laughs) She's really into karate and uh, she wants to practice her chop chopping outside of the studio, out of the dojo. She's walking out the doge and she's ready for some chop chop. <laughs> she's the original chopsticks creator, no. Cobra Kai vibes. Cobra Kai vibes, no. <laughs> Good and very innocent thinking, but it's a little Thank more you. sinister than that. Oh no, you're jo- you're pulling my tip. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> the left or the right tip? <laughs> I do have a real, like, a, I'm a real fan of my right one. Are She's you? beautiful. And I love my left too, but I think because I'm right-handed and often I'll lie on my right side. Oh, oh yeah. actually, maybe I'm just trying to decide. I'm just my... trying to think how I just lie on the couch with one <laughs> hand on boots. Just to feel safe. <laughs> yeah. You know my... how it is, gal. 
Well, my left boob's you just bigger. Ju- you're just sitting there juggling your teeth like it's, you know, milking season. <laughs> <laughs> this is the content we're here for. Yeah, it's going to be on our socials, just Kate and I doing this. <laughs> Hi, Instagram. <laughs> this should be on OnlyFans. Oh, shit and bricks OnlyFans. That would be lucrative. I'll tell you actually. what, if I wasn't a teacher... True. Ooh, yes. The amount of times that my friends and I have just been like, "Why is it, why are none of us doing an OnlyFans?" And they're like, "Because all of us are educators." And we're like, "Fair enough." I think yeah. we signed a piece of paper that said something about us not doing that. That sort of this thing. This is as close as I'll get. Well, now that we've felt ourselves up, which is perfectly <laughs> natural and normal, and and healthy, encouraged. Yeah, absolutely. Let me tell you before I get to the chop chop lady. In case folks that are listening don't know where the Philippines is or what the Philippines is or never heard of it, let me give you a quick little breakdown. Can I? And I'm glad you're doing this because if you said to me, (laughs) it's not uncommon for Kay Wilkinson, that's moi, I don't know anything about anywhere. Or And geography is a real, like as soon as I go to a trivia night and they go, we're doing the geography round, I'm like, Boom. <laughs> Do 1980s Michael Douglas movies. <laughs> I'll get 10 out of 10. And so the bonus point. not my strong suit. Yes, and a bonus point. I give him a bonus. All right, well, um, ho- hold I on to your meat tray, Kate. <laughs> you got me. And let's hear some quick little facts about the beautiful, amazing country that is the Republic of the Philippines, which yes. is... One L and double P. That's how we spell it. Okay. Okay. So double the f- P. Yeah, Ooh. double P. So the <laughs> Philippines or Philip Yeah, Philippines or Filipino Philippine. with an F. Yep. Or Filipinas. It's officially called the Republic of Philippines. It's an archipelagic country in Southeast Asia. Okay. So. Southeast Asia, I think in Indonesia, Malaysia. I mean, I didn't think that, but I love what you said. Yeah. So now. I was like, is that near Switzerland? <laughs> I think that's near Switzerland. <laughs> well, something that's really unique about the Philippines is its connection to Spain. Oh. Which you probably wouldn't necessarily think of. I definitely don't and our listeners might not so the spanish explorer rue lopez de villabos during his expedition in 1542 mm-hmm. long time ago i just finished primary school yep named the islands of leyte and samar the filipinas which was the name after philip ii of spain who was then the prince of astrias so anyway spanish are exploring they not discover because there were obviously people there before them, mm-hmm. but they conquered, colonized, whatever the hell you want to call it, discovered it in the Western world. Yeah. So eventually the name Las Islas uh, Filipinas would be used to cover the archipelago's Spanish possession. And I think that's the best way to describe it because it is possession. It's, yeah. Yeah, they took it. Yeah. It is situated in the Western Pacific Ocean, biggest ocean, and consists of how many islands do you think, Kate? Give me a number, ballpark. Two, two islands. No. Oh, 
higher, lower? Way higher. Higher. I need the Price is Right music. I need that little yodeling guy walking up the... (laughs) 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 Oh, no, don't go over the cliff. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Ten. Ten cliffs. No, no, not ten cliffs. Ten islands. You are way off and we're going to be here forever. It is 7,641 islands. Oh, I didn't win the... I didn't the proton the Toyota Yaris. Yeah, the proton. This <laughs> is proton. God, that was terrible. Oh, guys, the price is right here in Australia because it's huge in in the states. Um, I don't know about in Europe and, and the UK and stuff, Never but in Australia, Larry M. De hosted the Price is Right, and to be perfectly honest, during COVID, Georgia and I watched like reruns of it, and it was so, <laughs> so good. It's mental and you're going back to like the 90s so you had to try to guess like how much is the tube of toothpaste in the <laughs> 90s and we'd look at that and go the price of living the cost is just absurd 90 cents for yeah. toothpaste it is a great concept of a game it is it's a fantastic concept so i was way off so seven thousand seven thousand six hundred and forty one islands Ooh. that are broadly categorized under three main geographical divisions from north to south which is luzon visayas and Mindanao. Mindanao. Oh, i'm gonna fuck yep. up lots in so, this no i like it let's do it so where is this located if your geography is not your thing try and picture a few of these places it might help So the Philippines is bounded by the South China Sea. So it means it's, Mm -hmm. yep, to the west, the Philippine Sea to the east and the Celebes Sea to the southwest. It shares maritime borders with Taiwan to the north, Japan to the northeast, Palau to the east, southeast Indonesia, so Bali, to the south, Malaysia to the southwest, and Vietnam to the west. And if none of any of those places make any sense to you, then China, which I'm pretty sure most people should know, it's to the northwest. Yeah. Okay. So it's smack dab kind of in the middle of that beautiful little pocket in Southeast Asia. In between. Yeah. Now, the Philippines covers an area of 300,000 kilometres squared or 120 squared miles, 120,000 square miles. And as, as of 2021, it had a population of around 109 million people, making it the world's 13th most populous country. Oh. That's pretty big. 13th. That's yes. pretty good. The Philippines has diverse ethnicities and cultures throughout its islands, and Manila is the country's capital, while the largest city is Quezon City. Both lie within the urban area of Metro Manila. Okay, so my quick two cents is there's a huge Spanish, American, (laughs) and obviously Native Philippines, Southeast Asian uh, heritage and culture there Mm. it's really quite interesting like their currency is the peso so like right fascinating really cool um yeah i had a wonderful time there we went and saw drag shows we went and ate an amazing 
beachside buffet seafood dinner with Eve's mum for her birthday called a boodle fight. What? I know. And it's called a, a boodle. B O B O O D L E. Boodle. Like like poodle, but boodle. But with a B. Okay. Yeah. And the reason they call it a boodle fight is because the army or, you know, I won't call Marines, but the army or whatever, whenever they eat, they ate, they would just put all this food all on big tables and everyone would just come up and grab whatever the hell they wanted and just use their hands and just chow down. And it was a bit of a fight. So they called it a boodle fight. I love that. Really cool. Really interesting. And on Boracay, you can like go sailing, paragliding, surfing. Oh, there's just, you can do everything and anything. It's really quite cool. Mm -hmm. Amazing beaches. But let's get to the bulk of this story, folks, because we all want to know what the Chop Chop Lady is all about. Yes. So the year was 1993. One of the crimes that captured the attention of the entire nation was the gruesome murder of the Chop Chop Lady. Now, the name, of course, came from the fact that the victim's body was dismembered before it was thrown away. As expected, the entertainment industry did not miss this opportunity to milk a much-talked-about crime. Movies were produced about the case, one starring no less than Chris Aquino and another one with Lorna Tolentino in the titular role. I love the word titular. Oh, it's so good. I use it at school all the time. Now, the catch is, so this is 1993, but what's more disturbing is that this isn't the first time a chop chop case has happened and it wouldn't be the last either <gasps> a scandalo <laughs> i'm just sticking with our spanish thing thank you kate for keeping it real <laughs> you are so welcome now the original chop chop lady lucilla lalu in 1967 that's the first reported chop chop case and if you are related or anywhere near the Philippines or grew up in the Philippines, everyone, everyone knows the the chop story of the chop chop lady. It's like okay. legend. And Is she Eve's, the victim or the, 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 the crim? The victim. Okay. And Eves, who is from the Philippines, t- I spoke to him earlier today and he was telling me he still has like nightmares about it. It scarred him as a kid. So... Let's hear about the original Chop Chop Lady, Lucilla Lalu. Now, sometime in the late 50s and early 60s, Lucilla Tolentino Lalu left her hometown of Kandaba, Pampanga, to try her luck in Manila. So, moving to the big smoke. Yeah. She initially worked as a waitress at a small bar and apparently she was really good with money. Mm Mm-hmm. Her hard-earned money, which she saved quite wisely, was enough to start several ventures, including Lucy's House of Beauty. Oh, hello. A salon on the Mayhalig Street and Pagoda, which is a restaurant and cocktail lounge slash nightclub located along Rizal Avenue in Santa Cruz, Manila. Now, during this time, Lucilla was also met Aniano de Vera, a police officer who was married but who nevertheless fell in love with our beautiful beau. Soon, the two began living together in a common law marriage and their union was blessed with a child. 
by the way, Philippines is heavily, heavily Catholic. Okay. Which, again, is yeah, is quite unusual for Southeast Asia. You know, mm-hmm. lots of Hindu, Buddhist, different religions, but Catholic, heavily Catholic. Soon uh, the two began living together. Yeah, I told you that, and they had a child. Like any career woman, Lucilla was adeptly juggling her businesses and family life at the age of 20 years old. Then one summer in 1967, Lucilla just vanished. None of the old paper, uh, the old newspaper clippings mentioned whether Lucilla's family members or friends reported her missing. Maybe it was because they thought she was just spending time with someone else. It seemed to be an open secret that Lucilla kept other lovers. Oh, Mm. naughty, naughty. Well, join the club, Lucilla. (laughs) (laughs) Standard. Yeah. Now, on May 28th, police officers found human body parts, a woman's pair of legs cleanly cut in four pieces, wrapped with a newspaper dated May 14th. The legs were found in a garbage can along Malabon Street, not far from Pagoda, and the garbage collector who found the parts said that they were cold to the touch, as if they had come from a freezer. He also noted that the toes were very well pedicured, like they belonged someone well-to-do. Okay. Because, you know, fresh shellacking, you know someone's got the monies. Well, yes, unless you're me, in which case I will not ever get my toes or fingers touched. Touched. <laughs> I don't like it. Don't touch me. Don't touch Put the nail me. file away. <laughs> don't touch me. Now, at first, police officers and the media thought that they may match the badly decomposed severed hand that had been found just a few days earlier in front of a barber shop along Recto Avenue. However, this theory was discarded after checking the decomposition rates on both body parts. Almost a day later, a torso with arms was found alongside uh, EDSA near Guadalupe Bridge. These parts were also wrapped in newspaper, this time dated May 23rd, so nine days after the 14th. The body was identified to be Lucilla's, whose fingerprints were on file when she applied for a police clearance back when she had just arrived in Manila. Homicide investigators noted that whoever killed Lucilla was someone skilled with the knife or had some sort of medical knowledge since the parts were expertly cut. In initial reports, they also mentioned that since the body parts were frozen and scattered in different parts of the city, they were looking for someone with access to a huge freezer and an automobile. Mm. Seems pretty logical. Now, several suspects were rounded up, most of them Lucilla's lovers. I can't not say it that way. Lucilla's lovers. Oh, Mm. yeah. First was Florente Relos, a 19-year-old waiter. Oh, geez, she's swinging light. Stop it. Now, he was a waiter at the Pagoda whom Lucilla had supported. However, Florente was drinking with his friends during the time of the crime and he was released. He also did not have any motive to kill Lucilla, the person who was both his lover and financial provider. So it just didn't really Mm. make sense. His sugar mama. 
Yeah, exactly. I love a sugar yeah. mama. I'm on the hunt for a sugar daddy, so yeah. once I find him, I'm not going to go and chop him up. We can. There's some apps for that, Kate. We, I can there show you. There's two. Let's do that. Now, she even rented out a love nest in Cubao where he could stay, so, you know, he had a good deal. However, the cashier at Pagoda also said that Lucilla had already broken up with Florente, which is interesting. During the night of the murder, she also told Florente and his friends that Lucilla may be at the beauty parlour if they wanted to see her. Some witnesses even said they saw her being dragged by Florente and his friends into a taxi in front of the parlour. But these accounts were never verified. Okay. So just keep that in the back of your mind. It's in my scum. Suspect number two was Aniano, now Lucilla's common-law husband for seven years, so a rigidage mm. husband being cheated on. Many already knew that they were having problems. Their six-year-old child had been staying with Lucilla's mother in Calucan, and Aniano was also prone to fits of anger and jealousy, having fired off his service gun three times in Lucilla's pagoda and beauty parlour the month before she disappeared. Oh, he was yeah. cross. Yeah, we find out about all the boyfriends. Well, who knows? Clearly, he suspected Maybe. something, but yeah, he had a temper. Mm. Now, the night of her disappearance, Aniano claimed to have had dinner with her in the beauty parlour at about six thirty p.m. He left immediately after, according to him, and some witnesses, including some of Lucilla's relatives, said that around the time Aniano left, they saw they even saw her in the salon sleeping. However, this contradicts Florente's earlier testimony that he and Lucilla had met around 7.30 the same night in another cocktail lounge on Rizal Avenue. Mm. So, you know, it's kind of confusing here. You don't know who's saying what and... Yeah. Times and They're all just making, saying different things. Okay. So we've got Florente, we've got Aniano. There was another suspect. Yeah, so Aniano, the, the husband, and the, their boy. The toy boy Florente. Toy boy from Florente. But there was another suspect. An executive of a printing firm who was also said to be Lucilla's lover. Oh, lover. Now, he was never named in any of the reports, only that he was suspected because of a cardboard material used in wrapping newsprints that was found under the torso of Lucilla. Oh. I don't know. That seems a bit weak to me. Like if it's if it's something that's commonplace, used for wrapping, yeah. you know, it could be anywhere. Anybody can pick that up. It's not really rare, is it, right? Yeah. No, that's right. It's not like some particular fabric that is only available in four places. It's exactly. But look, it's still worth mentioning because you never know. Maybe he was stupid enough and he, yeah. Yeah. Now, this mystery man seemed to have an alibi for the night and this angle wasn't explored any, explored any further. Mm-hmm. I hate it when they just do that. They don't tell you why. They just say, he's got an alibi. Say, nah. How strong is that alibi? Is that, you know. Maybe they can't say? What's, like, the process of that? Like, maybe they can't give details? We're in the 50s, remember, as well, so... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, nothing's solid. Now, (laughs) 
the last suspect was someone who came forward due to his guilty conscience, a 28-year-old dentistry student, Jose Luis Santiano. It was June 15th, 1967, so 10 years, when news broke out that a handsome young man, son of a retired PC colonel, married and father of five, confessed in his own handwritten statement that he experienced a mental blackout but remembers strangling Lucilla to her death. Oh, no. It's also that seems like a good lead. It's a good lead, but it's also a bit sketchy, right? Like I'm remembering a blackout, oh, but I'm blackout. also remembering strangling her. Yeah. I don't know. But I don't remember chopping her up into pieces and wrapping sure. her in newspaper and popping her in a fridge. Yeah. Put her on a How ice. long does a blackout last where you can be totally mobile and wandering around killing people, chopping them up? Don't know. Now, Jose Lewis was also one of Lucilla's lovers mm-hmm. and was one of the boarders of the spare rooms in her parlour. Oh. So he had a connection. Like, it's not like this is a total yeah, stranger. It's, she right. was just a random person. Yeah. yeah. And he just goes, oh, I swear, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I just had a, I've just got a flashback, a memory. Exactly. Now, in his initial testimony, again, 10 years after the fact, in his initial testimony, he said that Lucilla had tried to seduce him and that and when he refused, she threatened to create a scandal. Very general. Oh, escándalo. Escándalo. <laughs> this was when Jose Luis lost his mind and killed her. Oh. In his testimony, he even mentioned disposing of the head in Dilaman. Quezon City and carrying parts of the body in paper bags and boxes while commuting in taxis and jetneys. Why would you catch a taxi just with a box of body parts on your lap? Yeah. Okay. Now, police later found traces of dried blood underneath Jose Lewis's bed where he had said he kept the body before disposing of it. It was never mentioned in old news reports if the head was ever found. So there is some physical evidence at his place under the bed that, yeah. Now, three days later, Jose Lewis was singing a different tune. He retracted his earlier statement saying he wasn't the murderer, but just an unwilling witness to the murder, which was in fact committed by three men. Oh, just three others. I did have a blackout. I strangled someone up. I forgot. There was actually three other people there that probably did it, not me. That's rich, right? Now, while the murder did happen in the mezzanine of the parlour where Jose Lewis's room was, he said that two men killed Lucilla while another man held him hostage while pointing a gun at him. So now there's this, like, elaborate story where he's also a victim. Yeah, yeah. Right? A fourth man appeared the following morning and planted evidence, the blood in his room, Mm -hmm. and over the next few days he allegedly also received notes reminding him to keep silent. Right. So there was a whole basketball team that really did this. One of them went and planted the blood. Three of them did the actual murder, put a gun against his head. Okay. Now, look, I don't want to discredit. If people see a very distressing and traumatic event firsthand, the brain is capable of creating all sorts of things to cope. All sorts of stories to to, to try to protect you. Yeah, that's right. Totally. But it's almost in the opposite, like, 
opposite way here. Like normally it's someone comes out and comes up with an elaborate story, but underneath it's actually just simply you did it. Whereas he came out and like said he did it and now he's coming up with the elaborate story. So I, you know. Now, the police insisted that Jose Lewis did it, especially since they found a hammer with bloodstains in the mezzanine, as well as the knife and razors in his initial testimony that matched it. They claimed that he was merely following his lawyer's suggestion of retracting his statement, which is obviously that's what a lawyer's going to say. Yeah, absolutely. And when Jose Lewis was being held by the MBI, they also received bomb threats, bomb threats to let the murder suspect go which is wild. He was released later on and some even say that Jose Lewis is still alive and living abroad today. Now, without any new leads, the investigators reached a dead end. The public, on the other hand, continued to speculate on the mystery. In 2003, a former Los Angeles police detective named Stephen Hodel published a book called Black Dahlia Avenger, The True Story, and if anyone knows Black Dahlia, you know what we're talking about. It Can is... I just say real quick? Yeah. So did Jose come in and say, I blacked out but strangled her? Mm-hmm. And then was like, no, 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 but actually there was like three other guys and yep. then also a fourth guy who planted the blood. And then, his lawyer, and then he realized, oh, maybe I've actually got myself into a bit of trouble here. So got a lawyer. The lawyer said retract that statement. And then they were just like, okay, no worries. Thanks, Jose. Bye. And he just left. Got away and now he's it. living abroad. Yeah. Ah. Again, 57, you know, it was now in the 60s, but. Yeah, yeah. It's 10 years after the fact, but it's still, it's a really good question. Yeah, I was just like, that's that's crazy. That's like their only solid lead that they really had in someone confessing to something they've seen or it's so bizarre to me that it was just like, okay, never mind, thanks, bye, thanks for your time. I think it's just a lack of evidence really, Kate. It's like, you know matching yeah. things it's it's difficult um and they just never yeah. went through with it particularly in the in the late 50s 60s as well. yeah mm-hmm. but we all have heard of well if you're a true crime person you've heard of steve hodel and the book black dahlia avenger the true story which is about a similar case that took place in the u.s in 1947 now in the book hodel details his 15-year investigation after his father's death into the black dahlia murderer whom he suspected to be his father, Dr. George Hill Hodel. Mm-hmm. During his investigation, Steve Hodel found out that his father had been in Manila in the 60s, leading the younger Hodel to believe that George was also behind Lucilla's murder. Well, of course you would. That's um, too much of a coinciding. It is a little bit. But before we go there, there were some mm. inaccuracies in his book However, that Lucilla's torso was found along Zodiac Street in Makati when news reports stated it was found along EDSA near Guadalupe. So, you know, Steve took some liberties here to try and make some connections. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He was trying to put a a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. Some followers of the mystery accept this explanation of Lucilla's murder, but others other but the case officially remains open. Mm-hmm. So it is unsolved of the original Chop Chop Lady. Ooh. Tell us who you think it is, folks. It's not. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's you not don't. the 
boyfriend. It's not the cute 19-year-old boy. It's not Michael Douglas either. No, he wouldn't dare. (laughs) He's too busy with Catherine Zeta-Jones these days. He was on his phone making a deal. (laughs) Now, fast forward or rewind whichever direction you want to go, folks, whatever makes sense for you. Are we going forwards or backwards? Back to 1993. Rewind. So the sensational case of Elsa Castillo is based in 1993. So some folks, this is probably the most famous Chop Chop Lady, but people forget that there was a Chop Chop Lady before Elsa. Right. So So we're just doing the the OG Chop Chop and now we're on to 1993. So many major motion picture studios planned to create a movie about Lucilla's case, but none of them materialised. The suspects who were let go and the family left behind by the victim probably decided that they were better off not being reminded of their connection to a gruesome murder. Preach, amen. And I know it may sound hypocritical because we're talking about it right now, but yes, there's a tasteful way of memorialising people. Yes, there is. Now, the exact opposite transpired for the next Chop Chop Lady case, which happened three decades later. The victim was Elsa Santos Castillo, the assistant personal manager for Apex Motor Corporation. That's where she met Stephen Mark Weisenhunt, an American from San Francisco. Stephen was on Elsa's team and while both were married to other people, being in close quarters apparently got in the way of their better judgment. Of course, people in the office noticed, and in an attempt to squash the rumours, Elsa resigned from Apex in April 1993, and despite this, the affair continued for several more months. Mm. On September 23rd the same year, Weisenhunt asked his driver, Demetrio Ravello, to pick up Elsa, who was then staying at her parents' house in Manila. Demetrio was instructed to bring Elsa to Stevens' condominium in Green Hills. He did just that, and the day went on as usual. In the afternoon, Elsa even asked Demetrio to deliver a paper bag to her old office. Stephen asked Demetrio to stay so he could drive Elsa back home by 10pm. According to Demetrio's sworn testimony, he waited in the building until 10pm but received no word from either Stephen or Elsa. Demetrio decided to go home. He reported the next day to Stephen's unit where he found Lucy, the house helper, looking for a knife. What? Demetrio claimed he overheard Stephen telling Lucy that he had the knife with him and that he even brought it out of his room. Demetrio was later sent out to buy cigarettes for Stephen and at 5pm he was allowed to go home. The next day, after mm. running some errands in Stephen's office, including picking up plastic garbage bags, he returned to the condominium where he was instructed to drive Lucy home and prepare for an overnight trip to Bagak, Bataan, where Stephen's family owned a vacation home. Oh. When Demetrio returned, prepared to leave for the trip, Stephen asked a very strange question as a test of loyalty. How long was he willing to work for Stephen? When Demetrio replied he was willing to work for Stephen forever, his employer broke down and confessed that Elsa was dead. She died. Yeah. Demetrio's not sensing any red flags before this point. 
I mean, he's just like, oh, he's an eccentric guy. It's like, yeah, yeah I suppose. Yeah. And again, if it's not like something that you've seen before, yeah, yeah. If it's not something you've seen before, then you might not be sus first time around. Yeah. And I mean, okay. developing country, you get a job, probably being a personal driver's job was very well paid. Yeah. You know, we're talking good. Lucrative. You know, for for them, for, you know, for Demetrio, yeah. you probably, you're not going to say or do anything to jeopardize that. Demetrio's yeah. whole family was probably relying on it. Anyway. Mm. Stephen said that Elsa died of Bangun got, to which Demetrio suggested that she be autopsied right away so that he couldn't be blamed for her death. I believe it's a tea or a po- like it's something poisonous. Okay. However, Stephen had already chopped up her corpse, so this was out of the question. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I've actually changed my mind. Can you do an autopsy? Just pop her bits back together. Like, <laughs> I just, I panicked. I've I accidentally hate. chopped her up. Do you know what yeah, it takes to I chop someone up? I, I actually don't personally. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I could imagine like one time I had a carrot that was quite big and I tried to cut through the carrot. Or maybe if you've ever tried to cut through a, a whole pineapple. That's tricky. Is it like that? Yeah, pumpkin, like, oh. Oh, pumpkin. Chumpkin, pumpkin, yeah. You know, and you always say, chumpkin, pumpkin. <laughs> when you're trying to chumpkin, pumpkin, and you push down on the knife, and then it's like there's times where I push on the, the sort of other end that doesn't have the handle, Ooh. and you just like, I'm going to lose a limb. Yes, and then exactly. You snap through it, and you're like, this knife, when it hits this chopping board, could go anywhere. This oh. is going to ricochet straight back into my forehead. <laughs> I imagine maybe like that. <laughs> Exactly like, like vegetables. That. Yeah. And total sidebar here, while we were in the Philippines, this is a very separate story, I tried to recreate Tanya from White Lotus and pitch an idea that I was Tanya's youngest, uh, like young daughter or like unknown daughter. And I, I was... I was the main character for season three of White Lotus. So I wore caftans every yes. day and big glasses. And Eves, being the creative genius that he is, you yeah. can go you can go read this. He created an eight-part Instagram series of photos and story trailing this trip in the Philippines and made up a whole murder mystery as me as oh my Bonnie, God. my drag alter ego, yeah. as the main cat, well, one of the main characters. Yeah, yeah. And it was fully like it's a full white Fleshed lotus season. Idea. It's amazing. <gasps> you should go look at it. <laughs> yeah. He did such a good job and he took photos every day to piece together this really elaborate white lotus esque story. And it all ends with a murder and Ooh. a chopping, chop, chop. <gasps> A Martha. That's so if, amazing. Yeah, if you okay, want to go read it. Can you share it, that? Yeah, we've got to, yeah, we've got to find, we've got to put that up. Go find it on my drag account and you'll see it. Anyway, amazing. got to get back to the story. Okay. Um, so out of fear, Demetrio continued obeying Stephen's commands. They mm. drove around Tagatai and Batangas where they left. They headed towards Santa Rosa Laguna and when they were near Puting, Cahoy, and Silangan, Stephen ordered Demetrio to dump the bags. They then drove towards Bataan. 
On the way there, they would stop at highways to discard pieces of evidence such as Elsa's garments and other belongings. And it was around midnight when they reached the house. Demetrio claims that he wasn't able to sleep for fear that Stephen would also murder him. Yeah, I'd have that fear. Yeah. The following morning, the two drove back to Manila and when Demetrio got home, he immediately told his family what happened. His wife convinced him to talk to the fiscal judge in their town who later accompanied them to the Department of Justice. They were referred to the National Bureau of Investigation where he was initially met with doubt until a team of MBI agents headed to the place where Demetrio said he disposed of the body. There they discovered that a group of tricycle drivers had already discovered the body and a crowd was beginning to gather as the agents arrived on the scene. Now, the rest of Demetrio's story checked out. Elsa's belongings were also found along the highway where they said they were discarded. Stephen tried Mm -hmm. to defend himself in court, obviously, saying that the bloodstains in his bedroom were actually period stains from his sister-in-law and Elsa. She died from we, the bang and got. Yeah, no. Yeah, period. It's like, you know, three, four tablespoons. It's not like five litres yeah. that, we're, that we're just discarding. Yeah. Now, of course, the court had its own medical, medico-legal, you know, team mm-hmm. who actually mm-hmm. did the autopsy on the body and declared that Elsa did not die from bang and got but from three stab wounds to the chest before being dismembered. And even if she died from Bangangot, why would Stephen chop up the body? Stephen's story did not make sense. At some point, Stephen also came forward with threatening letters allegedly coming from Fred, Elsa's estranged husband. The judge noted, however, that the letters were directed at Stephen and not at Elsa. And more to the point, Elsa apparently had reconciled with Fred a few days before her death, and this was perceived as the motive for Stephen killing Elsa. The case was pretty straightforward. Judge Ricardo Molina, in a 35-page decision, said he found Stephen Wisenhunt guilty of killing Elsa Castillo. He was sentenced to life in prison and was ordered to pay 100,000 pesos, representing actual expenses for the funeral services and wake for five days and 3 million pesos by way of moral damages, exemplary damages in the amount of 1 million pesos, and the attorney's fees in the amount of 150,000 pesos. Wow. A year later, the case captivated the country and was translated into two films, the Quis Aquino Stara, the Elsa Castillo story, portrayed by Elsa as a tragic heroine, confused by her own feelings and a victim of circumstance, And in the other movie, in Chop Chop Lady, the Elsa Castillo story, Lorna Tolentino portrayed Elsa as a Palaban, independent woman who knew what she wanted in life. Mm. So soon the Chop Chop Lady became the stuff of urban legends and a cautionary tale for wayward wives or girls who came home too late. Oh. The case was catchy enough that people would remember it when you mention it to them but not a lot of them know the true ending of what seemed like an opened and shut case Mm -hmm. so after spending 19 years in jail Stephen was deported to the U.S. to serve the rest of his sentence he boarded a flight to California on February 23rd 2013 after being released from the National Bilibid Prison immigration officials said that his life imprisonment sentence in 1993 was commuted because of good conduct while in prison 
he's blacklisted from returning to the Philippines. Yeah, you would think. You'd hope I can't so. believe he just they were just like, yeah, 19 years is enough of a life. Like, that 19-year-old, yeah. if a 19-year-old died, you wouldn't think they had a life, would mm-hmm. you? That's not a lifetime. He chopped up a person. Yep. Good gracious. Okay, I'm going to whiz through the final Chop Chop Lady story. It's just one page, and then we're going to wrap it up because I feel like I've been going for too long. No, you've been going for the perfect amount of time. The third and final Chop Chop Lady-related story is the tragic death of Mitzi Joy Balunze Balunze, in 2017, so six years ago. Yeah. And also, Stephen was in prison. Just. Jeez. He's in the jail. Jeez. He's in the jail. (laughs) Now, on January 7, 2017, a rice sack and a box containing the dismembered remains of a teenage girl were found along a road in Tresse Matris, Cavite. Ah, so bad. Done. No, you nailed it. A suspect was immediately arrested for the crime not long after the body had been discovered. The killer was 20-year-old Alvin De Los Angeles, a fellow student of the victim, Mitzi Joy Balance, who was only 17 years old when she met her grisly end. Alvin and Mitzi were in the same theatre group. Mitzi was a sophomore, a student taking up tourism. She was a smart, talented dancer who was also an active member of their church. The last time Mitzi was seen alive was on June 5th, so quite a while ago. We're talking over six months when she went to school to enroll. Later that night, her relatives received a text message from Mitzi's number saying she hadn't finished enrolling and that she would be staying overnight at a friend's place. Her aunt, Mm -hmm. you know these stories. How many have we heard? Yeah. You know, the phony texts. Now, her aunt immediately suspected that something wasn't right because the texting style was different. Mitzi always Mm -hmm. ended her messages with I love you, which she didn't include in the mysterious text. Her worst fears were confirmed when Mitzi's body turned up days later. Now, when Alvin came forward, he claimed that he and Mitzi were in a relationship. He also claimed that Mitzi ended their four-month relationship and that she had been hoping to get back together with her, which is why he invited her to his house. According to Superintendent Egbert Tabian. Uh, the chief of police, this wasn't true. Alvin was just someone who was obsessed with Mitzi and who tricked her into coming to his house by asking that she pray for his deceased sister. Oh, that's oh, God, that ain't that's right. a bit morbid. Nah. In an interview with a broadcast network, Alvin said his vision darkened and that he lost his mind when Mitzi allegedly didn't want to get back together with him. He doesn't want to get back together, so I chop it up. I don't know where to put it, Alvin said in the same report. Mm-hmm. Now, Alvin borrowed a friend's apartment to do the grisly deed, expertly extenuating oh, the dismembered parts of the body in a bathtub. Ugh. After wrapping the dried parts, he got 500 pesos from the victim's wallet and asked a tricycle driver to bring him to a secluded place where he could dump the body. What, how do you, like, what do you say to the tricycle driver? I mean, I've just got a bag of sports clothes that are really stinky. Okay. You just don't say anything. You just hop on. Yeah. If you go to Southeast Asia and you go to places yeah. like Vietnam, Cambodia, Indonesia, Thailand, all, you know, 
it's just a different way of living and, and it's a different what you see and what's, you know, people are carrying boxes and crates and food and things are just left out everywhere. It's just it's a not different. not unusual. It's just not unusual. Yeah, like vibe. someone yeah. carrying a big garbage bag full of something going somewhere. It could be someone's clothes, food, anything. You just mm-hmm. wouldn't even blink an eye to be perfectly okay. honest. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so busy, hustle, bustle. Yeah. They just want the fare. So. Yeah. Now, the killer's confession made it a straightforward case and he was incarcerated right away. Unlike the other cases, there wasn't a media frenzy about this equally gruesome murder. Perhaps this was playing out to public, desensitised by news about extrajudicial killings and tokhang, unlike in the past. There were even rumours spread by social media pages and bloggers that Alvin had been killed by police officers in jail while he allegedly tried to fight back with a police officer's gun. No major news outfit has confirmed this, however. So it's all a bit sketchy. Yeah. In the case of Lucilla, Elsa and Mitzi, one thing is certain. They were smart. They were successful women who didn't deserve the death they were given by no less than people that they trusted. And that, folks, is the end of the Chop Chop Lady phenomena in the Philippines. Yay! I mean, not yay because of the content. Yay, that that story, you told it so well. I learned so many cool new things. You are most welcome. Again, like what I did with Kotao, I don't want to paint a picture of a country or a place. no. In one broad brushstroke, so we're not going to do a revisited episode. This is one story and it's not representative of a beautiful, beautiful people and country that is the Philippines. So I highly recommend it is a very safe place to go. It's a very safe place for queer people to go. Um, Put it it on your list of Southeast Asia places. Yes, especially if you're listening from the United States um, at the moment. It's just, yeah. Sending you all of our love. Thank you, Dominic. I appreciate you telling your story today. And, hey, guys, we're at the end of the episode, so do you know what that means? Five stars, baby. Yeah, do it. Push Five it. Stars. Push it real push, good. Push it real good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you so soon, Dominic, because we get to see each other now because you're not away on holiday. Yes, and I will see you next I week. I will. Yes. Jazz. Jeez. Jeez. See you next week. See you next week, everyone. Ciao. That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush, and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.